So do I grab an ashtray or? And they're like, nah, man, just ash on the floor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> for real? For real. They're like, he's like, we got people for that. Just ash on the floor. Straight up. And I'm like, hardwood floors, fire. Hey, whatever. Wow. I'm in your house. Your rules. Sounds yep. good. <laughs> and I proceeded to ash on my shorts at that point. So yeah. it was good, man. Yeah, it was really, a good time. We showed our Doug Culver rookie cards. You could sure. <laughs> And that's a nice plug for when he hears this. Got him! <laughs> Still looking for an autograph on mine, but jeez. Wow. Welcome to another episode of the Burning Questions Podcast. Your home for conversations surrounding smokes, stories, and substance. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. If you can't already tell from the cold opening of this episode, which was an account of our tour of the J.C. Newman factory in Tampa... One of the hopes of the Burning Questions podcast is to capture the spirit and banter and camaraderie that exists in cigar lounges all across the world. We also want to share some of the stories that make cigar smoking such a great conversation tool in today's hurried world. Whether those conversations are shared amongst total strangers or, in the case of today's episode, amongst friends. To that end, today's episode is part one of a two-part conversation we hosted at the LJ Cigar Lounge on September 11th, and it features two men whose lives and career paths were altered based on the events of that same day 22 years ago. Damon Gabriel is a Purple Heart awarded Marine Corps veteran who lives in LJ, Georgia, and Brandon Knox is a Lieutenant Colonel in the Army, presently serving with the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon. I'm grateful to call both of these men my friends and for their service to our country. I'm especially grateful that they both made time to join us for this special conversation. Without further ado, enjoy part one of Smokes with a Serviceman, a reflection on September 11th. If you come here, you know that this is a place that it's not just a great selection of cigars at good prices for Georgia at least, um, but this is a place where stories are shared, people get to know one another, there's a community that's built. And the, the community and camaraderie that happens in a cigar lounge is something that's truly special. And so the hope behind the Burning Questions podcast is that we can take these kind of conversations and send them out the door with people to go, whether they're folks that can't get to the LJ Cigar Lounge uh, or whether it's just folks that come here, but they want to take these kind of conversations on the go with them. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. If you haven't subscribed to the Burning Questions podcast, go to burningquestionspodcast.com and subscribe. Uh, leave us five-star feedback, shameless plug. It will really help us out, get this word out to other people. Um, so I'm excited about tonight's conversation, excited about what we're doing here at the LJ Cigar Lounge. You know, this is a special night, and I hope that it will be somewhat of a reverent night for us. Uh, the stories that we're going to be talking through and the substance of this conversation is really corresponding with the date of this recording, and that is September 11th, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple of really qualified guests, in my opinion, to be able to talk about stories and substance related to this special and reverent and unique date in American history. And so, friends, I'm really excited you guys are here. Thank you for making the trip up. Uh, We've got Brandon Knox, and then we've got Damon Gabriel, who is one of our locker members with us. And honestly, I just wanted to share your names a little bit, and I want you guys to introduce yourselves, not just for our audience here, but for those who are listening to this podcast um, as a recording, right? So here's here's what I want to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. Both you guys either have served or are serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. So just share a little bit about that, your your branch, your rank, anything else particular <clears throat> that we should know about your experience serving in the Armed Forces. 
uh, share a little bit about your life. So hobbies, interests, family, you know, where any any and all that would help us get to know you a little bit. Uh, and then finally share a little bit about how we met. So I'd love to know your stories about how Brandon, you and I met, and Damon, how you and I met, if that makes sense. So let's go for it. Well, uh, Davis, thank you for having me, brother. Um, my name's Brandon Knox. I've been married to my wife, Jesse for about 15 years. Uh, three children. I come from a military background. My dad served 28 years in the Army. Uh, he's a retired Sergeant Major. Uh, my mom's been in the government now almost 30 years, so my sister served in the Army. She's several years younger than me. Um, I've been in the Army now almost 16 years, uh, 10 of those years uh, on active duty, and I've been serving reserve capacity since 2017. Um, we met uh, through Lakewood Baptist Church, where I was an intern, and and you had had recently left and planted was a your former church. Intern. Yeah, former yeah. intern, <laughs> resident, whatever we call it. Um, and yeah, just honored to be uh, to call you friend, and look forward to being here tonight. Thanks, bro. Thank you for your service, man. Appreciate you. you. Yeah, Damon, how about you? I didn't know you came from this all in the family and everything too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. All right, Damon, how about you? Yeah, well, I'm gonna be uh, at least from the family standpoint. Um, the polar opposite as I was the the first and and only so far um, so my name is Damon Gabriel I'm a United States Marine I served from 2008 to 2012 um, I am married to my wife Samantha she and I have been married come it will be seven years in just a couple of weeks which is pretty cool um, we've got three children as well all boys so it gets a little chaotic at the house uh, two Irish twins because the COVID year was weird. So <laughs> we uh, couldn't leave and we made our own friends and I'll leave it at that. Uh, um, so yeah, they keep us really busy. Um, but yeah, man, I, uh, I'm the first and only in my family line to serve. Um, I loved it dearly. Um, got injured overseas. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point this sure. evening. So I'll save that for later. But uh, that's why I didn't at least do one more enlistment. enlistment. Um, I got out of the Marine Corps as an E-4, as a corporal, um, and yeah, again, uh, I loved it. And Davis, you and I met in 2018 at the end of the summer via your mother-in-law. Yeah, man. So uh, that was kind of a fun fun thing. I met, I met Janice, and we get to talking, and she's like, you're how old? You have how many kids? Wait a second. My daughter and her husband are moving back. You guys need to meet each other. And I got a couple other young people you need to meet, too. And it was like the friendship matchmaker she was and it was perfect because everybody who i met that day we're still friends with so that's uh that's a wonderful thing awesome and again thank you for having me i'm very honored to be here um and uh yeah it's a very very special day to say the least it means a yeah. lot good deal good deal before we get into some of the significance of this day you know before we get into stories and substance the first of those three s words is smokes now i grew up with a dad that was uh in an rotc program in college so i had a very different definition of the three s's growing up um so these are <laughs> these are these are different than what i grew up with but smokes stories substance let's talk a little bit about smokes first we're all smoking cigars from jc newman and jc newman is one of my personal favorite cigar manufacturers mm -hmm. and they weren't until earlier this year when i learned the history and the story behind the company right this is a company that uh, has always been distinctly american founded in cleveland ohio in the 1800s and is on its fourth generation of continuously owning continuously operating family ownership 
and they have been based in the U.S., first in Cleveland, and, and then now present day in the Ybor City area of Tampa. Um, and they make some really good stuff. So Brandon, you're smoking a Diamond Crown, which has a whole unique history behind it. Very mild, but flavorful and well-constructed cigar. How do you like it, bro? It's delicious. You're more of well a done. you're more of a mild body smoker, right? I, I am. This is this is probably the best mild I've ever had. Amen. There it's it is. Delicious. I would <laughs> seriously. I would, I would agree. No, it's yeah. it's it, it, I am more of a full okay. body smoker, but that one is one that I go to mm -hmm. time and time and time again. So yeah. glad you enjoy it, man. And then Damon, you and I are smoking the Diamond Crown Maximus. So same kind of family of cigars, but uh, much more of a full body offering on this one. This became one of our favorites when we took that tour together, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name who gave us the tour. David Ludwig. There we go. David, thank you, sir. Um, but tonight, enjoying the cigar, you know, it's like the first couple flavor profiles coming into the mouth. I'm like right back to where we were when we had the tour. The first time sitting up there in the rolling room, me asking my junior varsity questions. You even asked on the floor tonight, which I did, cool, which so. was again, not intentional. Hey, look, at least I'm consistent, David. <laughs> um, so there you go. Too bad we're on carpet tonight. I'll be cleaning up. It's all good. It's all right. It's all right. Um, last cigar question I've got before we talk about September 11th uniquely. Yeah. Um, this may be a no question and that's fine, but uh, I have heard that there are some distinctive cigar-related traditions in the military. Maybe the U.S. Armed Forces in general, or maybe even your branch, perhaps even your division, your unit. So, do y'all have some unique cigar traditions that you've experienced in your time in the U.S. U.S. military? Sir, I'd default to you on this one. Well, uh, I don't know if it's traditions, but uh, history. When you look when you look at military leaders, um, I went to West Point, and oddly enough, in a history class, uh, our teacher, when we were talking about Civil War, talked about how Grant was an avid cigar smoker. Um, through the ups and downs of his career, um, he was an avid, avid, avid cigar smoker. To you know, the the Great War of World War II and, and Churchill. Um, Churchill was a world traveler. And avid smoker. Um, my own experience, I don't call it tradition, but when babies were born overseas, we would get cigars for the dad. Unfortunately, some dads weren't there for the birth of their kids because of the war. Um, have a cigar. Um, also, cigars for promotions overseas. Um, and unfortunately, you know, unfortunately at the same time, just to kind of decompress from a really bad day. Um, and there's amazing organizations that would mail us cigars overseas, but it, I just have very distinct memories of holding a cigar in my hand on a mountaintop, Afghanistan or desert of Iraq, just special. So it's good stuff. Damon, good. anything you got to add? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, you know, I would only be adding to that in my own personal experience with it. You know, in my time in the Marine Corps, because my time in it was shorter um, shorter lived. Um, I didn't necessarily have any like long-standing traditions, but we did use it as a means to celebrate. And I distinctly remember when we were concluding our rip with third LAR. Relief in place. Yeah, relief in place. So we're swapping Thank out. Thank you a, yeah, for that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, that's Brandon's pastor's heart that's coming out. This is a word that you don't know. Let me explain this word to you. That was, was well done, sir. Absolutely, well done. sir. We, we thank our, you. We have our acronyms. Uh, we, we have so many of them. Yeah. And I'm just, thank you for that. Law enforcement, I'm sure. Absolutely. 
And uh, so the whole platoon, we all got out there and uh, took, uh, we had these MATV vehicles. And so we all got out in front and we're like on the trucks and everything and had our rifles and got to have our cool guy. We're going home. We made it. We, we made it, mom, moment. And that was pretty awesome. I actually still have that picture uh, on my Facebook. I should have brought it with me, but I didn't think to do that. Guess That's I'm, okay. Guess I'm not that clever. The good news is when people are listening to the audio of this, they wouldn't be able to see it anyway. That's so. a great, you know what, valid point, and you have my name, and now you know I'm on Facebook, so you can go see it for yourself if well, just, you like. I mean, if you want to go ahead and say your social security number, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. It's a super easy process at that point. 100%. Chief's <laughs> like, please don't do that. <laughs> if I see you do it, I'm not helping solve this. <laughs> what is, uh, Brandon, you alluded to this a little bit, but what's yeah. one, maybe one unique place in the world where you've smoked a cigar that not many people would say they've been able to? Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot. There, there was a lot in the news about the embassy in Kabul. Um, I had the fortunate opportunity to serve there uh, in 2016, and uh, got to have a cigar in one of the one of the buildings there. Um, that you know, back I think it was in the 70s we had left as well. I think it was 60s, 70s we had left, and then after 9/11 we went back. Um, but I would say that was a pretty unique place uh, to. To have a cigar. David? Yeah. Rooftop. JC Newman. <laughs> Ebor City, Florida. I mean, there might be like thousands of people who have done it, but there's like what, hundreds of millions of people who live in this country? I think Fair that enough. was pretty special. It is pretty and special. there were only three dudes on that roof that that afternoon. And two of them are right here. Yes, they so are. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, well, guys, thank you once again for, for your service, your honorable service to our country. Um, and thanks for being here with us tonight to talk about this night, and specifically this night, not just in 2023, but 22 years ago in 2001. So same question for both of you here that I'd love to spend some time reflecting on. Let's go back 22 years, right? And I can still remember where I was and kind of what some of my first reactions were when I heard the news and then saw TV news coverage of the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, um, Flight 93, all, all in ashes as, as it was. And so what were your reflections on that day? Where were you? How did you hear the news? What were some of your reactions on that day? All right, very good. Um, I remember it very clearly. Uh, so I was a, this event was highly formative to my life. Um, and not necessarily because I understood what was going on and the magnitude of the situation, but because my parents did. And that's important because I was 11 when it happened. Um, and I grew up in Washington state. So I was actually talking to my mom about this evening that we're having and kind of recounting it with her earlier today. And I specifically remember it being in the six o'clock hour in the morning. So it would have been maybe 30 minutes since it had actually happened. I'm seeing it. I'm sitting down to eat breakfast, you know, have like a bowl of cereal or whatever. And my mom's like, hey, you need to come and, and sit down. We need to have a conversation and watch the news. And you're like, wait, what? Okay. And, uh, you know, she proceeds to tell me what's going on. And she's pretty hysterical at this point. Um, we, I grew up on Bainbridge Island. Um, it's a, you could technically consider it a suburb of Seattle. It's, a, it's seven and a half miles away. You just got to get a ferry to go there. Many people who live on Bainbridge Island commute 
back to Seattle. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful spot. Um, so my father, I tell you that because my father was on his way to Issaquah. That's where he worked at the time. And um, you know, my mom's calling him, like gets hold of him and is like, you need to turn the radio on right now and turn around and come back home. Cause like, if this is a terrorist attack and she even told me like the first time it happened, I thought like, wow, what a horrible accident that somebody would accidentally fly a plane into a building. That's terrible. And then the second one hit and it's like, this is no longer an accident, right? And so she's pretty hysterical. I'm realizing what's happening. She's telling my dad, like, you gotta get home. What if they hit the ferry terminal next? You know, all this kind of stuff. She did not send me to school that day. It was like adamant about not sending me to school. And um, the remainder of that day is kind of a blur until that evening where my parents and I are out at a local restaurant in Bainbridge Island with what felt like every person on Bainbridge Island watching the replay over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, that event ended up changing my parents and that changed how I grew from 11 to 18 and the values and belief systems that my parents had vastly changed and that ended up shaping the young man that would eventually find himself in the Marine Corps. Makes sense to me. And we'll talk a little bit about those next steps here in just a second. Brandon, what was your reaction? Thank you for sharing that, Dan. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I was fortunate to grow up for the most part. Again, uh, describing I was an Army brat, the term for you know, growing up in a parent serving. <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to grow up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is the city near Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Fort Bragg is the home, or excuse me, Fort Liberty now. Did you get that right? Fort Liberty now. Um, Wait a second. They, they changed the name? <laughs> I still call it Bragg. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Sorry. Continue. But that's, my, that's, that's where I call home, if you will. Um, and that base is home of the Airborne and Special Operations Forces. So the first boots on the ground came from Fort Bragg. And I'm very proud of my dad and my mom, who both were integral, you know, you know, in the first couple months, years of the war. Uh, but I was a senior in high school and really not sure what I was going to do with my life. Um, I was a fairly new Christian, kind of figuring out my way, my purpose in life. And I was with my mom as well. And um, my mom took me to, embarrassingly enough, get my senior photos. You know, those cheesy photos you take uh, for senior year. Ola Mills, baby. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. The gold on the bottom right. Oh, yes. Yep. yep. Oh, yes. And uh, my mom, who is always calm, cool, collective, you know, we were there at the photo place and saw it happen. And the whole community um, went on lockdown. But what was really neat was everybody rallied around each other. Um, and I just remember when I finally was able to link up with my dad, with my sister, we just hugged each other because we weren't sure everybody was okay. It was kind of pandemonium. Um, but for me, it was very clear from that day forward that, um, Lord, I feel called. I want to go. I want to go do my part. And I just had this laser focus. It's time to go serve. Damon, you talked a little bit about September 11th also having an impact on your decision to join the Marine Corps. Talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so, you know, I mentioned my age. And uh, rightly so, we don't have 11-year-olds enlisting in the Marine Corps, so that's the good news. Um, but 
I had mentioned, you know, it changed my parents. And so this is like to just make it as clear and broad as possible. It, it was everything from views on faith to political views to to their moral compass to everything. They they had a massive overhaul that event led them to become Christians and that grew me up or grew me up that that put me inside of a Christian household in years that are highly formative in your life so I had no base of any of that patriotism or Christianity or or any of the things that I experienced from we'll call you know 11 to 18 all those 11 years prior to that was not like that and so as most children do, you are observing your parents and the world around you and you are a sponge and you're picking up on everything, you know? And so like seeing how my parents' view of America was and what their view of our service members were, it, you know, it was highly positive and very supportive and like, you know, very rah, rah, you know, patriotic. I mean, I say rah, rah, that's kind of a, that's, that's not a good way to say it. That makes it, that downplays it. It was very, very patriotic and very good. You know, and then again, like, grew up playing video games and stuff too. So, you know, playing Battlefield or whatever shooter game. And so I had just like, I never had a negative connotation towards military service in my mind. And then when I'm older, a couple years down the road, seven years down the road, you know, looking to enlist in the Marine Corps, this is one of two catalyst events that happened that caused me to make that decision. Mm. And had it not been for it changing my parents, it may not have happened that way. But then when I was 17, looking back on the situation in a, and then also in the situation I happened to be in at the time, I was like, no, this is for sure what I want to do. And that's when that like spark of duty came to me. Right. So it was I had several years later, but that's kind of how that happened. I was going to ask you what lessons, kind of what what remembrances should we take away from September 11th, and I want to get to that. But before that, maybe maybe a good follow up question would be, what duties would you commend to the average American city citizen, and especially to young men growing up today? What are some of those things that you would say? Have this sense of duty. Do these things. Be an honorable man. Oh man. That's a that's definitely an intense question with so many different answers. I think that ultimately and trying to relate it to my military service, which I think is a highly personal and individual decision that that person needs to make, you know, to do that and it might not be the calling for everybody, but at the end of the day if you are willing, if you have found something, if there's a cause or anything that you believe in that is worthy and not even having to be worthy of your life, like, hey, if you have to give your life for this, do it. But ultimately, if you're willing to commit yourself to something that you believe in that is you know, righteous and good and you commit yourself wholeheartedly to that, and not for yourself, but for the embetterment of the cause, right? Or whatever it is that you're willing to put yourself and your time and potentially your life into doing, 
like that's kind of the duty bound. You're really duty bound to others is what I'm trying to say, you know, and that can be done and had, and we can talk about it till we're blue in the face and military service. But there are um, um, plenty of other ways that individuals, specifically young men, can serve in their communities, um, their neighborhoods, their families, their country, even, you know, whatever the case may be that they can do and they can put themselves on the line for. And that is something that I would charge specifically young men with doing. It's not every young man's responsibility to shed his blood for his country. If he gets called to do so, he should do it, obviously. But we have a beautiful volunteer military force that we should all be very grateful for. Um, And we have obviously drafted too. We know the history of our military and our country. We know this. But we have a volunteer force, and it's quite amazing. But if you're willing to put yourself on the line in your time, talents, efforts, money, potentially your life, for a cause greater than yourself, that is the duty bound. That's the duty that young men should be seeking. That can also happen literally with your wife and your children. Sure. Like, you know how much work and effort it takes every single day to show up to that job yeah. and to that calling, you know? So again, to the listeners, you know, there are honorable men in all, all tiers of life, yeah. you know? And we have, a, we have a certain honor and experience that we've had, and that's great and all, but it's not to diminish the other things that, you know, young men can be doing also for the world. It's well said, bro. It's a tough act to follow, Brandon. Anything that you want to jump on with that? I don't really think there's anything I'd say I'd follow up on. Um, Yeah, I I get a lot is like, man, I wish I would have served or, you know, or I feel like you have to apologize. Um, And just to be frank, you don't need to apologize. If you do want to be involved and you're 50 years old or you're 12 or whatever, there are so many ways um, to be involved uh, in, if, if you're a person of faith and praying for military families. There's a lot of veterans that are having a really hard time finding a job. Um, there's a program called SkillBridge, for example, the Army has, where the Army will pay for a service member to go work somewhere and the employer gets a free employee because it's so hard for service members to transition out, out, off active duty. Maybe I, I know for me it has been um, to so many fam- so many tables tonight with Gold Star families that don't have their loved ones sitting there. Um, so I think one of the best things we can do in duty is to never forget them, um, to honor them, to once a year go to a veteran's cemetery, go to a veteran's hospital, and you know there's a lot of veterans that just just to put your arms around them. They don't we don't need to overly thank them or. You know, feel like we got to ride their ego, but those simple things, I, I would say. It's really good. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good. You talked about never forgetting, and that is one of the um, catchphrases, and, and rightly so, for mm-hmm. this day, September 11th. So as we remember, and as we don't forget, as we fast forward 22 years to present day, mm-hmm. what are some of the lessons, some of the convictions, in your opinions, whether it's us as individual Americans or us as a whole, us as a nation, what do we need to take from and learn from and do as a result of what has happened? Uh, You know, I don't want to like get too crazy on my soapbox on this particular answer, but like to me, there's one word that comes to mind 
and I think that anybody listening, the folks that are in the room with us tonight, you know, it's, it's one, like we can see in current America, a lot of division amongst people. And at the end of the day, we are a country of Americans here. And an event like 9-11 is something that is a knife in the side to every single one of us. And you didn't have to have, you didn't have to be in the tower or have a family member in there. Like if America is attacked, we were all attacked, right? And that's bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I go back to like, and we were both talking about it, you know, but from my own personal experience, like what was happening the night of, so 12 hours after this happened, I'm in a restaurant with my parents. And what did I say earlier? Seemingly with every other person from Bainbridge Island watching this, we were commiserating mm -hmm. together. We were going, this is like group therapy, right? But the thing is, is that in that moment, we were called together as Americans to like be with one another, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that like the biggest lesson that we need to take from this potentially is that like we shouldn't have to have a mega catastrophic event to remember mm -hmm. the unity that we should seek with one another, which doesn't mean that we have to see eye to eye on everything. Right. But like America is strongest when every single person inside of it can lockstep for the greater good of it. Right. We don't see that today. We saw a lot of that after nine 11. And I would just, again, challenge the listener and myself and everybody with not having to have that type of event happen for us to seek unity with one another. That's my answer. Awesome, bro. Um, I would say two words. Um, you know, 9-11, and yes, we're you know, over two decades from it, uh, is just there need, we all need a sense of gratitude to live in this nation. Mm -hmm. um, traveled around the world, uh, been overseas, for years in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we do have our faults. So my first question to me, to myself, to our listeners, to all of us is, if we see faults in our nation, what do, what, what do we have in place? What are the proper methods to go about fixing those things? Voting, getting involved in your community, helping one another. Um, in other places, if you don't like it, well, then I can just end your life kind of thing. Um, it's, it's brutal. Um, if you don't like a certain person, it, it could mean they take everything from you. I mean, uh, so a gratitude to live in. Yes, we're not a perfect nation. We're also a young nation. And we're at a volatile period. And we need to unite. I love that word, uniting. And say, you know what? Um, we might have our differences, but we're Americans. And let's have a healthy discussion, a healthy debate. I don't know how many times overseas we had healthy debates about what we were doing over there. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know? That's a great point. Uh, a lot of healthy discussion. But in other militaries, you just do what I tell you to do. Go f go to that front line. I had great non-commissioned officers say, hey, sir, that, that might not be a good idea. Um, and, they, and they saved me, you know, in a lot of ways and mentored me. I think that's a health of our military. And, and I hope it, it's, we can be reminded that that healthy debate is a good thing. Totally. You know, you said one thing and sorry, Davis, to take it back. But like, you know, you said specifically, I think the words were like, you know, get out and vote, get involved in your community. Yep. This is a conversation that my mother and I have all the time because 
and again, like I stand by what I said about uniting as Americans, but like where that happens for us all as, in indiv- as individuals, and it, this is the same for the listener, is inside of the community. So my mom and I talk about sphere of influence a lot. You know, and it's like one thing to be like, oh man, I'm going to go be a senator and change the world or get on Facebook and be a, you know, a keyboard <laughs> warrior and just <laughs> spew everything to everybody everywhere. But like really and truly that unity starts building inside of your sphere of influence, which happens where you live. And that's the most the impactful boots on the ground for that concept happen right outside your door. You don't have to, you know, and absolutely there are causes to go to Washington DC or somewhere else or whatever, but like, again, what you can do where you are. And if everybody's doing that everywhere inside of America and we remember who we are, that's a really beautiful thing. Amen. And thank you for sharing your reflections on on September 11th. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Thank you for all of these things. Um, I'm honored to be sitting in your presence tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Burning Questions podcast. Be sure to check back with us in October for part two of Smokes with a Serviceman where Brandon and Damon will share a bit more generally about their military service experiences and how those experiences have impacted them. If you'd like to pass along a note of encouragement to Brandon or Damon, or if you'd like to suggest your own idea for a future episode of the Burning Questions podcast, email your questions and comments to us at hello at burningquestionspodcast.com. That's hello at burningquestionspodcast.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to this show wherever it is you're listening to this podcast episode. And if you find this content helpful, please share this episode with others who you think might also be encouraged. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch up with you next time right here on the Burning Questions podcast.